I was speaking all the stuff that God wanted me to say out of what had just took place in my heart, you know, and, and um, so I, I, I'm excited about present it to you. So uh, we're concluding this series, pre-decide, and so I'm in the middle in my mind and in my heart determining and, and going a specific direction from now till Easter and a Resurrection Sunday, and um, I, I want to talk to those people today who have ever wanted to give up on anything, right? When I was younger, I used to run, and there was many times where we'd be practicing, and when you're in cross country, some of the, sometimes you got to practice and run for five miles, and I'm running in, in a city, and I decide to slow down and stop, and I'm by myself waiting for the light, the, the crosswalk, so I can cross it, and and I'm just standing there, and, and I, I I could have kind of went like this, and you know I could have pretended, or at least went through the motion, but I just stopped, and I was leaning against the pole, like the light pole. And then I turn over to this side, and guess who is pulling up? Is my pastor, and if he had a, if we had cell phones in those days, he would have taken a picture. I guarantee it. But he was like, "You quitter," you know, it was like like that, and he teased me for that for years. He's just a jokester, and uh, my pastor, Pastor Andy. And uh, he, it was funny, but I had ran for about three miles, and I said, I got to stop this. What am I accomplishing? Like, I've, this is practice. And so I want to talk to anyone that's ever wanted to give up. Your life is like a marathon. It is not like a 100-meter dash. It's not even a 1,600-meter race. It is a marathon. You've been running for years, and you have wanted to give up, or you've given up. Maybe... You had a goal in life, or you had a dream, you had a vision, you had a vision from God, you dreamed when you were a little kid, or when you were a teenager, or when you were in your 30s, you had this dream, you said, I want to accomplish this for God. I think that God is saying this, and it hasn't come to pass like you thought it would, so you said, I want to give up. Maybe you're in the process right this second, maybe this last week, that you want to give up. Because let me be very clear about things in my life. There are things in my life that it would be easier if I just said, I'm done. I could name some situations where I said, it would have been easier because in the middle of a marathon, everybody, and I, the only, the longest, anybody ever run a marathon or even like more than five miles? I ran a seven mile marathon, mini marathon. I mean, it's like not even a mini marathon. It isn't, doesn't count as a mini marathon, but seven miles, the first miles downhill. So you're really, you're really accomplishing a lot. You're running fast. You know, out of a thousand people, I might have been the top 100, which is amazing. Do you think I finished it? Uh, top 100? No way in the world. I did finish it without stopping. That was my goal. But in the middle of your marathon of your life or even just a regular, literal marathon, you, you, you hit this wall and it would have been easier for me to stop that marathon because in my mind, I was thinking, what does the finish line hold? It has, they had free like food. They had free, what they call power bars. You know, it gives you energy and stuff like that. Gatorade, um, might've been Powerade, but I'm a Pepsi guy right now. So I have to say it was probably Gatorade, um, free massages, right? Like, I mean, this is like, this, that was kind of what with my mind was saying, I, mean, I need that. But I could have quit, right, and kind of snuck over there and pretended. You know, they didn't have any, they didn't, pr- you don't have to prove it anything. And, but in your life, you may be discouraged. And you may want to give up, maybe on your relationship with God. Because God, following God and salvation is simple. 
you know, I am amazed more times than I have ever been right now at how good God really is when it comes to salvation and it comes to his grace. And I, I think, I think that when we get to see God face to face, the, the first thing that we're going to notice is, man, you are more loving and more graceful than we gave you credit for. Okay. And, um, but that doesn't mean that the life that you have with God or for God or any area of your life is easy. Because you go through roadblocks, you go through detours, you go through things that trip you up, you go through things that sometimes you cause, sometimes other people cause, sometimes your past comes back to haunt you, right? Sometimes the things that you did 30 years ago, it's all of a sudden back in your mind of this is something that you did that you shouldn't have done, and you did it, and you're, you're thinking about it, and so you're, you want to give up. Maybe you're married, and you're fighting to save your marriage, but the more you pray that your spouse, usually this is what happens, we pray that our spouse would change, right? Um, I could get into that, but I'm not going to, because I've, do- I've done that before. I said, Lord, if you could just change her, then I would change. Because the reason I am the way I am is because of such and such in this situation. But if you're married and you've been trying to get it to be going and doing it, be God-honoring in your marriage... And you want to be the spouse that you want to, you want to be, that God wants you to be. And actually it's getting harder. You don't have to be married. You, this could be any area of your life. Finances, your work, the way that you, you accomplish things. And it could get, you pray and pray and pray and pray. And it's actually getting worse and worse and worse. Am I the only one that's ever prayed and the things gotten worse? You know, uh, I'm the, maybe the only one that wants to admit that. There are things in my life that I assume this is how it's supposed to go. It's supposed to go A, B, C, and D, and E. But for some reason, when I got to B, all of a sudden I'm at, you know, why? Way over here somewhere. And if we were to be able to step back and look at our lives after we're dead and we're to see it, we would, some of those things that we don't get, we don't understand. They, they make complete sense. But why God had us go that way? Why God had us go that way and not just A, B? Cause God's, your relationship with God and your ministry that God has for you is usually not linear. It is like a roller coaster that goes upside down. And I love roller coasters. I don't really like the roller coasters anymore that go upside down. Anybody else there? I used to love it. The one that's like this ring, ring of fire, I think it was called. And it would stay upside down for like 20 seconds. You know, you lose your glasses, you lose your keys, you lose it. That's how the people gain, get some money, right? That's what, that's what I do. I used to love doing that. But the last time I went on something that made me sick, Hayden was on something with me, remember? And I, I was, we were walking, I was just sick. And, and, uh, I, I have given up on those kind of rides because I don't feel good. But the reality is, that's what life can be like. And I've given up on roller coasters altogether. Um, but if I give up on life because it's like a roller coaster, it makes me feel ill, then you're cheapening the life that God has given you. There's a purpose for every little thing. There's a meaning, and sometimes we can't see it right now. So, so maybe you've been praying for your miracle and it hasn't happened yet. And you've been praying for decades. There are specific things in my life that I prayed for since I was first a Christian. And I've seen glimpses, but it hasn't a full-blown miracle. Have I experienced miracles? It's no doubt, no, no doubt about it. God has done things in my life that I cannot explain scientifically or logically or anything like that. So, what I want to do is, I want to say, this is my title, when you want to give up. 
we've, we're concluding the series called Predecide, and this is a very specific decision that you have to make that is not automatic. Because if we were to go on default mode in our lives, if I was to go on default mode, and if I were to, you know, my phone, my cell phone, I had it, it a long time ago, it, it got wet and it got messed up, and I had to go, I had to reset it to the standard that you got for when you got it. When you got it, you turned it on, it was, a, and it really screwed up my phone, okay? But if I were to reset my life and I would go to my default mode, what would it be? I want to take the easy way out. I want to wave the white flag. I want to throw in the towel. I want to give up because my life would be simpler with certain things gone. Okay, how many of us, we we actually um, prefer simplicity over a complex life? Okay, I think that's part of the reason why I moved to Kamei. Okay, now, when I moved here, I was 22. Things have changed a little bit since I was 22. My life is not the same like it was back then. Um, in a lot of ways, it's a lot more complex now than it was back then. I just didn't know it yet. When you're 22, you think it's complex. Anyway, um, but we, we need to pre-decide today that no matter what we do, no matter what we face, we refuse to give the devil any inch on our life that he wants you to quit. He wants you to throw in the towel. When you, if you're married, he wants you to go, yeah, I don't really like my spouse. I, if I was married to that person, I could, this is, this is, this is why I think marriages fail a lot of times is we compare our spouse to other people and go, if, if she was more, if he was more like that, if she was more like that, or if we were, if I wasn't married, it'd be so much more simple. But the reality is we have to make the pre-decision no matter what. I'm not giving the devil an inch. I'm not giving him an inch in my life. I am not going to give in because he will want me to do that in any area of my life. And I refuse to, to actually give him the satisfaction of that because he wants you to give up on God. He wants you to give up on yourself. He wants you to give up on the people around you. He wants you to give up on the church. He wants you to give up on the Bible. He wants you to give up on prayer because those things take effort. Every single thing that is worth doing takes a little bit of effort. And not giving up for sure takes effort. But you cannot, you cannot not give up accidentally. It's like everything. Okay, we've, we've, we've had this here. When, when I'm faced with blank, I have predecided to blank. I wrote down something on my notes here. When I'm faced with a hard situation, anybody ever deal with something, a hard situation? Okay, we all have. But when I'm faced with a hard situation, I have predecided I am not going to give up. I'm not going to walk away. I'm not going to backpedal. I'm not going to go, oh, I didn't see it, you know. Oh, God called me to that, but that's difficult, but I never saw it, right? And we kind of ignore it for a while. There are things that God has called me to that I've got, you know, i got to have the, like, what are those things called the horses have and they just be able to see? Whatever, huh? Blinders? Okay, I'm, yeah, I drive a car, okay? But I need to have that. I need to have that because I don't want, God, I don't want to see you. I don't want to see you. I don't want to know what you call me to. That's what I want. But when I am faced with a hard situation, I have to pre-decide, pre-determine that I'm not going to give up. Because, like I said, if I am left to my own devices or if I hit reset in my life and I go back to default mode, when I'm faced with hard situations, I'm going to give up. It's kind of like being a Seahawk fan. 
I actually was more excited about this season than I have been the last few years. And the reason is, is because they exceeded my expectations. But at the very beginning of the season, now I'm not, I, I, I don't bleed football. I don't really even care about the, the Super Bowl, you know, but, um, but I was like, I wasn't really into it. So I kind of gave up on even watching or even caring about them. But then they start winning. Maybe I'm a bandwagon fan, but that's beside the point. But when I'm, when you are faced with something difficult, have you predecided in your life to not give up, to not throw in the towel, to not give in? Okay, we're looking at, we've looked at six predecisions and we're closing it this week. Is I am ready. It's a battle and I'm prepared to fight it. Okay. I am consistent. Anything that you are consistent on, you will grow in. Anything. If you're inconsistent on any area of your life, you will not grow in that area. You'll get worse. Okay. I am devoted. I am focused. Okay. I am generous. God wants us to live generous lives where it's not about us. It's about other people and it's about him. I am faithful, which is in connection to what we're talking about today is I am a finisher because you cannot be faithful if you give in too soon, if you give up. You have to be faithful, and you're going to be faithful to the end. That's called finishing. And so I have learned that it's, diff- I've learned the hard way. It's, it's very easy in, to be enthusiastic about starting something brand new. You, you know, the very first mile of your race is all downhill, and you're all enthusiastic, right? And you're ready to go, and then things get difficult. It's very difficult to finish. It's easy to start. It's more difficult to finish. Um, See, what's the difference between people who are content, who are growing in their relationship with God, who are focused on God and they don't seem to waver versus the rest of the world where we seem to waver? You know, when things get difficult, I pull back. When things get a little challenging, I, I kind of hide. When I, I'm talking to someone about Christ and then they start bringing up the questions that I don't know how to answer, so I go, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. Instead of going, Lord, help me through this, we pull back. What's the difference between the two people? They're, they're consistent. They're, they're all of this. And it's not their education. It's not their looks. It's not the way they dress. It's not who they know. It's not what they know. It's actually one word. And it's perseverance. Everybody say perseverance. The only way that you can actually win and, and run a marathon, I wouldn't even say win, because I've never won a marathon. I won it basically because I, my goal was to not stop. And that's true. I did that. Seven miles, which that's a lot. But back then, that's not much if you're, if you're trying to practice for a 24 mile marathon. But if you're going to, if you're going to finish the race that God's called you to, you've got to have perseverance. It is not about enthusiasm out the gate, right? Because everybody, I mean, me, my, my twin, I have a twin brother who was a runner, and we were both really good at track for the first, like, 50 meters. Okay? We were really good. Man, if the race ended there, we would have been first and second. Okay? And, and one time, I'm, watch, I'm, not, I'm not doing that good, but I see that my brother's first place. I go, well, he's not going to end that well. And he could see, I could watch. I, I didn't really care. I was, like, really bad. But he was, you could see him just kind of going t- kind of towards me, and I caught up to him. Right? And, uh, but it's so easy to start out the gate with enthusiasm. I'm going to sprint this thing forever. How far can you really sprint? Well, for me, I could sprint from probably from that side of the room to that side of the room and I'm done. 
Okay, you could probably beat me in that, but that's, yeah, um, that would be bad. But it's their willingness to, those people who, they actually keep going, they're content, they're following after God, they're doing all the stuff that God has called them to, it's their willingness to stick to it. It's their willingness to not give up. It's the willingness to not give the devil an inch in their life. There was a study I read this week, it was, it was an article, and it was by a, a lady who wrote a book, and She's a psychologist and author. Her name's Angela Duckworth. And she, a- she, she asked the question in the article, which was based on her book. I haven't read the book, but it's, why do successful people succeed? And as I'm reading the very beginning, I'm going, I had to pause and kind of step out of that article. I said, again, I had to redefine success. Okay. But I kind of want to know what, 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 what makes people succeed? What makes driven people dr- driven? And she studied people like like um, CEOs, business owners. Um, she uh, they, she talked about military leaders, generals, presidents of the past, um, people. That, she talked about like I won't Bill Gates and stuff like that. I could get into that, but um, why is it that they have succeeded in what they do? She even talked about fifth grade spelling bee experts and champions. So that's cool because I am not a spelling bee champion whatsoever, but. That's what caught my guard was I'm looking at it and going, yeah, wait a minute. What makes a fifth grader know more words than I do, right? They can spell better than I can. And I'm like, let's see. Oh, that's the, okay. That's what it is. No. Um, like what makes them, what makes them different? What makes them different? And it's not how much they study, like, fifth grade or business leaders or what makes them succeed. And she actually, found one quality among all the people that she studied, including the fifth grade, and it was the word grit. It's like grit, you know, and she described it as the strength of character that refuses to quit. Grit, having that, having that, uh, that tough skin, if you will, that there's going to be people that will go against you, the devil will go against you, and you have to outweigh, you have to outlast them, the critics. You have to outlast the devil who is attacking you. You have to be stronger than that, and it's the strength of character. I want to build that character in my life that's stronger than what my human tendency is to just give up, and I don't want to give up. It's the strength of character. So, so in every area of these people's lives, CEOs, business people, uh, sports people, presidents, kings, queens, generals, a fifth grade, uh, I was going to say Bible quiz team, that's not it, a fifth grade uh, spelling bee people, what made them succeed above the rest? Grit. When it comes to spelling, I've given up on that because I can I have spell check now on my Word documents that 40% of the time it's correct. You know, the rest of the time, it's wrong. But anyway, I pretend it's right, and I don't have to turn this in. So, um, but I love it because it's not who you know. It's not what you know. Because I've told, I've when I was first moved to Kamei, someone told me, it's who you know that gets you where you need to go in a small town. It's what you know, okay? I I found out the first day I moved here, nobody cares about my 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 level of education, right? Like when I when I applied at the grocery store like day one, I put the fact that I had a bachelor of arts. Now I didn't put what it was for ministry. But I just have a bachelor of arts, and I think that might maybe turn them turn them off because they didn't hire me. They hire anybody, not me. Okay, 
And so I learned it is not really in life. It is not really who you know. It's not what your last name is. It is not that. It is this grit. It is the strength of character that says, you know what? I don't care how hard it gets with the people around me and with the Holy Spirit guiding me and leading me. I am not going to give up on the things that God has called me to. Now, if I'm doing some things that God has not called me to. You better believe I'm going to quit those. I better, I better take some evaluation because I don't, I can't guarantee the next breath in my life. So I need to step back. I need to focus on what is God calling me to in those things that I've committed to that God has called me to. I got to have some, some stick them if you know, you know, I got to have some things that are, that are not going to slip out of my fingers. I cannot give up on that. I've got to have grit. Now the, the quote that she had, I, I looked up the book and there is one quote that stood out and it was that enthusiasm is common, and it is. Endurance is rare. And it is so true. If I were to go back, even I was not a sports genius by any stretch of the imagination, but I, I, I played basketball, got cut, so that quit on that. I ran, and everybody made the track team, so I ran. And then I made the wrestling team because you had to wrestle against your friends to see if you're going to make JV or varsity. And the longer I wrestled with these people, my endurance, my, my endurance was very weak. Like I did not do good in wrestling, except for one match I did pin a guy, but we, I remember that. That was a good one. But there was one I lost in 12 seconds because I started like, I was all, you know, you weigh in and you're all, all these guys are like no shirts on and, and you're all walking like you're really tough. This guy, he, he looked a little tougher than me, so I went. And then I started really good. I gotta start really quick. I gotta be quicker than him. And there is, there's a very good reason to be quick in wrestling. But my endurance was not good. And that's why I was not a good wrestler. And it, even more important stuff than that. When it comes to being, let's say, being married or choosing to do the right thing financially or reading the Bible or praying, it is so easy to be, go out of the gate with enthusiasm. I'm going to read the Bible every single day this year. I'm going to pray. I'm going to go to church. I'm going to go talk to people about the Lord. I am going to spend my money wisely. I'm going to be a better parent. I'm going to be a better grandparent. I'm going to be a better husband. I'm going to be the type of person that God's called me to. It is very good and easy to go out of the starting gate going, this is, this is, the, this is my year, everybody. This is the year that I'm going to be the perfect husband. I swear, I know I'm going to do. And then all of a sudden, like by January 1st at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, and I made the goal at 1 o'clock in the afternoon, right? So an hour later, it's like, I can't, I'm out of gas. Because endurance is rare. I We've got to have that endurance spirit, if you will. So basically, the this, we're going to pre-decide this. When I commit... And I would even add, when I commit to the things that God has called me to commit to, I don't quit. I'm a finisher. Because if you're still alive, if you have breath in you, he's not done with you yet. Okay? The longer I've been alive, the more I have experienced around me death. It's probably worse the more decades you live, right? And I look at those individuals that have been in my life, close people, acquaintances, that kind of thing. And I go, they're done. Nothing that they can do about it right now. They're, they're done. 
And I look in the mirror and I go, Joel, I'm still breathing. At least I think I am. Everybody's still breathing? Let's take a, let's take a breathing inventory. That means that you're still alive and that means that you are not done yet. There's a reason why you have breath in you. Because you are not done yet. God is not through with you yet. But how do we build up endurance? The first person that I thought of when I thought about endurance in the faith is the Apostle Paul. And I love, I love the Apostle Paul because he was a pastor to pastors. He was a leader to leaders. He was a spiritual father to many, many other, uh, young leaders. And I've had people like that in my life. And I love this because I was reading 2 Timothy this last week. And in 2 Timothy chapter 4, we'll get there in just a second. But there's something interesting about 2 Timothy among all the other books that he, the letters that Paul wrote. He wrote 2 Timothy very near his death. And it appears, as we'll read in a second, he knew he was going to die. His death sentence was already set. Caesar Nero had already set his date of being beheaded, already on the, they didn't have a calendar they wrote, but he, he would look in his cell, his dank dungeon, and he'd go, this is the day I'm going to die. So he goes, I've got to make, I've got to write letters to these people and say goodbye. And what helps me read Second Timothy, because there's a lot of things about leadership and that kind of thing, um, but even more than that, I read it as this, I, this, in my mind, I see Paul writing it in tears. Not because of where he's going, but because who he's leaving behind. And he writes this young man named Timothy, who is a young pastor. And Paul was a, lead, uh, was a father to him led him to the Lord. He has a whole story of it, his, his grandmother and that kind of, but Paul really helped him and discipled him. And basically he's saying, I've, I'm going to get ready to die. And so I'm going to give you a goodbye. And I always say this, last words matter. If you are blessed and if I'm blessed enough to have a moment where I have a last word, because sometimes you can't control that. But if I were to lay in my deathbed and everybody was around, what would I want to say? And this is really important because these are some of the last words that Paul said before he died. We don't know how long between this. It could have been five minutes. It could have been a month. We don't know. But he said this in verse uh, chapter 4, verse 5 of Second Timothy. He says this to Timothy. Don't, and by the way, this is not just for Timothy. This is the reason why it's in the Bible. It's for anybody. Okay? Don't be afraid of suffering for the Lord which Paul would know what it means to suffer for the Lord. He died. They beheaded him. Okay, He says, work at telling others the good news and fully carry out the ministry God has given you. In other words, I'm not going to be on my deathbed and, and have you come close, come close, come close. Let me whisper this in your, in your go Seahawks. I won't do that. I guarantee it. I will want to go lean, lean, have them lean over to my head and I'll talk to them. And I would hope that would be something like this. He said, Timothy, my race is done. Focus on telling others the good news and fully carry out. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give in. Last words matter. So what do you focus on? What do you focus on? Verse six and seven. He goes, as for me, my life has already been poured out as an offering to God. It's a, in other words, I'm done. My race is done. I'm at the finish line. I'm just waiting for that moment for them to go. 
and his head's going to roll. Okay? He said, the time of my death is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. And I have remained faithful. Remained. I, I, he has not given in. He has not given up. And I thought about this verse. I thought, when my mom passed away, I did a video of her pictures. And it was from child to, like, not that long before she passed away. And I, I ended the slideshow with this verse. So there are a lot of funerals that take place, or especially if it's someone that's been committed to the Lord, is to read this. And I love this verse because he goes, man, I have, what is it? It's a fight. It's a battle. It's a race. So there's two instant, there's two images that he wants you to remember about life. It is a race. It's a marathon. It's a run. Go, 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 go. Don't give up. Don't give in. Run. Don't quit. Don't walk. Don't lean. Don't do that. Keep working for God. Keep doing what, and then, and he says, and it's a fight. It's a battle. It's a battle worth fighting. It's not easy, but you know what? I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have remained faithful. So, see, Paul finished his race. And from this moment, of course, Timothy's race has been done for a long time. But listen to me. Your race is not done yet. You're still in the fight. Put the boxing gloves on. You know, get some good running shoes. Tie them up. Make sure shoes are important with running. But make sure you make sure you're prepared for the long haul, because you might want to give up, and you will want to give up at some point. You go to the and if we're let's just say we hit a reset button for just a moment, and we're back at the starting line even though we're in the middle of a run right now. But we say, you know what? Am I really ready for this? Am I ready to fight the good fight? And what he means by good fight is something that's worth fighting. It's a, pro, it's a proper fight. It is a godly fight. It is a fight that God is fighting. Not, it's not a fight to fight people and to argue with people. It is a fight that God is fighting. And he joined, he joined that. And so if you're alive... You have not finished your race. You're still running. You may have stopped for a moment, but get right back in. God has more for you. And so if you're discouraged and you're down, first of all, you're not the only one that's been there, done that. It's easy to be discouraged. That's why I want to focus on encouraging other people in my life. Because nobody ever has said, Joel, shut your mouth when it comes to so much encouragement. Will you discourage me? Like when people have been discouraging me, I want to say, stop. Stop discouraging me. I'm already discouraged enough. But when people encourage me, I'm like, gimme, give gimme, give gimme, give gimme, gimme, gimme. I need that, right? We need that. It, it, you know, one word of encouragement is like fuel for, it's like, it's like, it's like you're running and someone gives you that cup of water and you splash it on your, in your forehead. Or someone gives you a Gatorade and you forget it's not, you think it's water and so you splash it on you and then you're really, really sticky. That happened to me, but. <laughs> But God would say this. He said it very, it, again, I read, I, I wrote this right after I found out my acquaintance slash friend passed away. He said, Joel, if you're not dead, you're not done. <laughs> Duh, right? But that means that he has a divine assignment for me personally. And he has a divine assignment for you personally. That if you give up, you're cheapening his salvation. You're cheapening your life that he's given you. You're cheapening like what he has accomplished on the cross. You're cheapening it. And you're cheapening life. Like, this is the only life that we have. And we don't get a do-over. 
There's no such thing as I die and I go back to birth. It, it's, it's not that. It's like I'm dead. To be absent in the body is to be present with Christ. So I better take a moment every single day almost and go, God, what do you have for me? What do you have for me? So let me ask you a question. And I want God to speak to you right now. I want you to listen. I want you to listen to that still voice. What is something that God has prompted you to do that you haven't yet finished? What is something that God has told you to accomplish here on earth and you have kind of put it on this back burner? Like, oh, I got to do something. I better put this pot on the back burner a little bit and put it on warm. And he forgot about it. What is one thing? See, Revelation chapter 3, verse 1 and 2 is a great uh, couple verses, but it's challenging. John, Jesus really says, I know your deeds, church. You have a reputation for being alive, but you're dead. Wake up. Everybody say, wake up. Hit, not hit, but just tap the person next to you and say, wake up. Okay, perfect. Um, Strengthen what remains and is about to die, for I have found your, this is interesting, I have found your deeds unfinished in the sight of my God. Now pause. When it comes to the church of Sardis, they, everybody thought that they were doing great as a church. They were successful. They did all the right things according to what the culture, even church culture says you're supposed to do. But Jesus knows best. He goes, your heart is dead. You're dead. Because now you need to focus on what I've called you to and finish it. Your deeds are unfinished in the sight of my God. You have not finished what I told you to start. So my question yet again is what is your unfinished business from now till death? Again, I could, pro- I could die, I could die on the way home. I could die in, I'm only 40. I, I, I could live to 100. I'm only f- almost 42. I could live another 60 years, technically. That's a long time, if you want my opinion. But w- no matter what, what the, when my death is, what's the unfinished business that God has me to do that I have given up on or I'm close to giving up on? We need to start focus on that. Maybe God prompted you to share your faith with someone, but you got nervous. And now it's time to start that conversation. Maybe God prompted you to forgive that person in your life. And you you got ready to pick up the phone or you got ready to take that airplane trip and go visit them. Or you got ready to write that email or Facebook, whatever, or text them or something like that. And you couldn't quite go through with it. Because forgiveness is hard. Maybe God called you to start a ministry and you just can't do it because you're like, I don't have any resources. How do I do it? And you gave up on it. What's your unfinished business? 2 Corinthians 8, chapter 8, verse 10, verse 11. The Corinthians in 1 Corinthians had a, if you read 1 Corinthians, there's a, there is a offering that they took. Big offering that they said, this is not legalism. You're going to, whatever God's put in your heart to give, give. And they started giving. And then Second Corinthians, Paul's writing them again. And he did more than two letters, but we won't get into that. He said, here's my advice, Corinthian church. It would be good for you to finish what you started a year ago. Last year, you were the first ones who wanted to give. You were enthusiastic, he would say. You came out of the gate running. 
You, you know, you, you went, okay, hold on. Here's the offering. Where's the offering plate? Boom, right there. He goes, you were the first one who wanted to give, and you were the first to begin doing it. Now, because I gave up, you should finish what you started. So what is your unfinished business? Why does it even matter? Why does this even matter? Joel, this doesn't matter, does it? Listen, I've wrestled with this my entire Christian life because the moment I became a Christian, there was a few months between being called into the ministry, if you that's what we used to call it, like I'm being called to be a pastor, and the moment of salvation, I had a wrestling match in my mind. And from the moment that I felt called to ministry, now I think we're all called to ministry, not just pastoral ministry, but anyway, I have determined in my heart that no matter what happens in my life, that's one area that I'm not going to give up on. I don't care how hard it gets. Like God would, wa- God would want me to keep going. The devil would want me to give up. So what is the one area that we have wanted to give up? One more verse and we'll be done. Acts 20, verse 24. Paul, this is a wonderful way to live. The way that he said this. He says, but my life is worth nothing to me. Pause. Let's say that together. Ready? But my life is worth nothing to me. He's talking about motives here for just a moment. My life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work that has been assigned to me by the Lord Jesus. What's his work? The work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. That's his work. I love that. He goes, you know what? I could make my life about a million different things, but I consider it worthless. It's worth nothing. It's worth, it is worth, it's fool's gold to make my life about me. You you know why? It's because God, through Jesus Christ, he paid for your salvation. So what are you saved for? You're saved for the good works that he has since before the beginning of time. So my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work that's been assigned to me by the Lord Jesus Christ. The work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. So that's that was his goal. That was God's goal for him. Paul was not running the race of his own race. He's running God's race. And that's why he didn't give up. Let's take a moment and pray. Heavenly Father, you are running the race with us. Sometimes we're limping, sometimes we're crawling, sometimes we're moving a little bit here and we stall there, but you are with us. So continue to lead us, continue to guide us. And with our eyes closed right now, but our hearts open, our hearts aware, help us to run the race that you've called us to without growing weary because you're leading us. And when we're running this race, you give us endurance. You give us perseverance. You give us that supernatural strength that only comes from the Holy Spirit. So Holy Spirit, fill us up over to overflowing yet again. 
Help us to do the things that you're calling us to. Help us to live the life that Paul did, that his life was worth nothing except the work that you called him to. And let that be our goal. Let that be my life. That my my life is worth nothing except to use my life to glorify and honor you, God. I thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Look for areas to to minister to people. I mean, God's going to share with you specific things. So do that even from now until when you go to the grocery store or that restaurant or wherever.